You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Hey, family. Uh, baby blood family. I don't know if any of my immediate families actually listen to this podcast, but if you are, please let me know. It'd be encouraging to know if you are. But honestly, Your dad the, does. Yeah, I, I think that. he might have fallen off, but that's okay. okay. I, I mean, okay. I don't know. But I'm, I'm thankful for my dad. No uh, dishonor in that if you have... Uh, I'm thankful for my father. Man, I'm starting to feel bad on the beginning sorry, of this podcast. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think he did anything wrong. But regardless, <laughs> sewing and growing family who listen, or maybe this is your first podcast, you jumped in on the inaugural continuation <laughs> of a message or yeah. talk. Part two. Yeah, part two. I know we've done Wayne's World part two, but that's different because he taught on something completely different. Right. This is a continuation. We found a good stopping point last yeah. week. And now we're continuing this week. And it just made me think, do you ever do that with things in life? I do. There's some things that I like to do. Maybe do a part one and then stop it in the middle and do a part two. Sometimes I like to watch movies like that. Wow. Which, which bothers, you know, bothers my wife. Back in the days of VHS, it was convenient because so, if you're going to watch Gone with the Wind or Titanic, you oh, literally had part half. one and part two. You got those box Yep. Movies. So you took out the VHS and you're like, this is a great time to go to the bathroom and get some more popcorn. Right. I'll do that with my wife sometimes. I'll watch it. Like, Let's stop and watch the rest tomorrow. And be like, what in the world? Yeah. I'm like, I know what we can like talk about what happened in the movie and then what I, we think is going to happen. I'm not like that. I'm sorry. I'm a lot like yeah. that. Uh, how about with food? You know, you, I don't you like eat leftovers. part of it. Soup almost every time tastes better mm. after being in the fridge and reheated up. Wow. You want to know why I don't eat leftovers? This is a joke. I feel it. Go. I'm not a quitter. I do that a lot. Uh, my wife will encourage me at a restaurant, uh, but I Take think it, it differ. You do just fine with not eating everything on your plate. That, Maybe that yeah, has changed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a joke. Um, that's not true about me. <laughs> <laughs> but I say my wife is all about like ordering extra food so I can yeah. take it and Take eat it, it for home. lunch. But there's something internal yeah. in my mechanism in that mechanism that cannot leave that porcelain plate with food on it and then find the willpower to take yeah. it home i'll just eat it all there for the most part so there's some of that my statement is partly true i don't really like leftovers and i don't really take leftovers and i'm totally fine leaving a little bit of food on my plate because i'm like if i go to a restaurant i'm like you don't know anything about portion control and you don't know what my portion control it needs to be so if you give me too much food i'm not going to force feed myself and once it, and this might totally be like offensive to people, but once I set myself free from having to eat everything on my plate, it was it was freeing, right? Once I decided to stop doing that, because didn't you, you start that at a very early age? I remember you mentioning yeah. this on the podcast that you yeah. thought you'd always leave at least one bite because you didn't <laughs> want to get fat. Yeah, that was at my own house, but you know, you'd go to someone's house or go somewhere, and they'd give you way too much food. And you feel obligated to eat it. And I think there probably there is an honor thing about cleaning, clearing your plate. But at the sake of you having a stomach ache later or... Folks, gluttony's still a sin. Right. Gluttony's still a sin. And so I think that's actually a really unhealthy... Um, we'll just get into the parenting aspect here for a minute too. To I always give my kids less than I know what they'll eat. So then if they're hungry, they'll ask for more. I think it's a really bad practice to make your kid force your kids to eat everything on their plate if you give them too much and you say no you're not leaving until you eat all of it you're you're encouraging the habit of overeating so that's like just that. a parenting pro tip almost um, it's always 
best to ask for more than yes. to force them to eat more than enough right. and create in them an appetite right. greater than their body should. Exactly. Eat. And if if you eat with me ever, if we're like over at the offices, I'm not taking very much food. And I usually will eat that. And if I want more, I will go and get more. That's good. I think it's a good practice. But it is very honoring. I will say this again. It is honoring if you're at someone's house. You know, you should try and eat everything that's on your plate. And that's a hard thing to do when they give you a huge plate. They're like, come here. It's like if, if you're at someone's grandma's house, you know they're giving, she's giving you more food than you need, right? Yeah. But, hey, that is completely unrelated to holiness. Well, actually, if you're not a glutton, you're, you're, on, the right, you're on the right path. <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. So we're talking about part one, part two. Last week, we started part one of Pursue Holiness. And I will do a quick recap before we go into part two. We've talked about holiness is not rules, regulations. It's not a scorecard on which you're judged, right? It's not about long dresses and uh, being quiet and only spoken when spoken to. It's really about being set apart. That's what holiness in a, in a very basic definition, holiness means being separate unto something, and we are we are uh, being separated unto God. So Jesus saved us from sin and death, this world, and he brought us into the kingdom of his light, into the kingdom of his dear son. So that is our positional holiness changing. We've been brought out of death and into life. Now we are holy. So there's two aspects of holiness, and if you're wondering what they are, I will say them, but you can... Uh, revisit last podcast. There's positional holiness, and then there's behavioral, or what John said, practical holiness. So positional is when you get saved, you are now in right standing. You are now in the kingdom of God. Your position with God does not change. You're not any more saved today than you were 20 years ago. Then there's behavioral. So what you do with the knowledge of knowing that you are positionally holy, now you choose to act a little bit differently, right? When I got married to my wife, uh, I stopped doing things that a single man would do. Um, pretty simple stuff, but fa- uh, pretty profound stuff that we need to um, practice. And I love, I just really like um, this. I ended last week's podcast with this kind of, and I want to start this week's podcast with it. Um, uh, salvation doesn't end with being saved, praying a prayer and saying, that's it. It's the birthplace. It's where you start, but it's not where you end. It's not the life of blessing and victory in totality. There's always more. And how do you experience the more? It's through holiness. Holiness is beautiful. Holiness is the nature of Christ. It's not about rules, and it's not even about perfection. It's about pursuing Jesus. And what that youth pastor said that I used to listen to, Jordan Boyce, uh, holiness is not a destination. It's the journey. It's the process. It's an everyday lifestyle of choosing to remember I'm separate from the thing that I got saved from, so I'm not going back to it. That's what holiness is. And holiness really is beautiful. And sometimes the enemy won't try uh, won't try to just bind you with the things of the world, the things you're supposed to be separate from. He'll bind you and get you caught up with religious talk, things of the church, things of the Bible. And he doesn't care what binds you as long as he, as he has bound you, as long as you're ineffective, as long as you're in defeat, the enemy um, has used the message of holiness as a way to keep people bound from serving the Lord. 
he's flipped it into something into something negative that causes people to run the other way because they think it's a this unbearable yoke or burden that they have to carry. You think, oh man, I have to be holy. You might even think, ugh, yuck, I have to be holy. No, 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 no. You get to be holy. We need to change our thinking a little bit. So when I married my wife, Brittany, I was not sad about the things I didn't get to do anymore, right? I wasn't like, bummer, you know what? I was really hoping to continue texting my ex. No, I didn't think about that, right? There are some things that changed. I don't golf as much now, but that's totally fine, right? I'm golfing this afternoon, actually. I'm actually uh, excited about that, right? But I wasn't bummed about not being able to text my ex anymore. I wasn't like thinking about her. I was like, no, no, no. Forget her, right? I have Brittany. She's mine and I'm hers. I get to wake up next to her every day. We get to hang out. We get to crack jokes. We get to have silly competitions all the time. We get to be parents together. We get to grow old together. We get to serve the Lord together. So many things. That's the more that I was talking about. You know, holiness opens up the more. When I separate myself when I separated myself away from all my old lifestyles and all the old exes, it opened up the more of marriage. And now we're living in that more and it's fun. It's fun. I love being married. So, so do I good. (laughs) Um, so it, it, it was easy for me to devote myself to her and have that change of behavior. I'm not saying I walk in it perfectly. Uh, uh, there's times when we make mistakes and we mess up. Uh, but, overwhelmingly, uh, it was a lot easier for me to, 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 to devote myself to her and change that behavior because here's, here, here's the real reason why it was so easy is because I knew that she was fully devoted to me. My wife thinks I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. She really does. And I love the way that she loves me. It's really awesome. Um, she's completely in love, willing to do whatever, um, to take this thing really, uh, you know, to ride this thing out for the long haul. And, I pray that my love grows more and more and more because I look at her and I'm like, man, she's really outdoing me. And like, it's not a competition, but I just look at the way that she loves me and it's, it's humbling. just, it's, it's humbling, right? It's a lot easier to love someone when you know that they love you. And that right there is scriptural, right? We love God because he first loved us. Mm. Amen. Right. It's the same way with God. I pray that we get a greater understanding of his love. If you don't have a great understanding or fresh perspective of love, listen to Pastor Shane's podcast uh, two weeks weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, We can't fully comprehend it, but we can try, right? He's he's insanely in love with us. He, He desires relationship. And when we understand how much God loves us, it turns holiness from being a chore into being a joy and a privilege. Right? When you understand how much God loves you, it takes holiness from being a chore and it turns it into a joy and a privilege. I want to please my father because I love him and he loves me. And this goes back to what I read out of How to Worship a King, right? Understanding about identity really determining function and not function determining identity. I am before I do. Yeah. You have something you want to add or you want me to keep going? Keep going. going. I'm going to keep going. All right. So I have a. I have an example of this. Um, so I played uh, baseball and basketball in high school, and my dad was my biggest fan. He would come to all my games, um, even if it was in Gun- Gunnison, right? I don't like driving to Gunnison. But my dad would come uh, to those games, right? He would follow the bus in his his white Honda Accord, and he even came to my practices, um, which was funny. People would, would ask him, hey, why are you at your son's practices? 
He would say, I just like watching my son play. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter where. Even if it's just practice, I love watching him play. My dad was just in love with watching, uh, you know, his kids uh, 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 excel and just and just do life. He loved it. So I remember uh, one baseball game we played against Grand Junction, um, and it was a non-division game, um, so it didn't really count on our record. But we really wanted to win this game because it was going to kind of show us what we were made of. We were playing a much bigger school, um, and their players were, were much bigger. Um, and that's one thing, like in basketball, it doesn't really matter. Um, uh, sometimes there's like a seven footer in the paint. You're like, how am I going to score? But in football, you get pretty scared if they're bigger than you. And in baseball, for some reason, we, we would get pretty scared too, especially if their pitcher was huge, you know, he's throwing heat. It was, it was kind of scary. So, uh, uh, their players were a lot bigger. I was a pitcher. So I was in the bullpen warming up and I was feeling really, really good. I was throwing heaters, right? Uh, I was nailing the corners. What that means is, you know, you don't just throw the baseball, right? The coach in, in high school, the coach usually tells the catcher where he wants the pitcher to throw it. And you never want to throw it right down the middle. There's a strike zone. If you ever watch baseball, this might be like completely elementary for people. But if you don't know, when you watch baseball, there is a square there. And like a box, a like box. a strike box. Yep. And that is the strike zone. Anything out of that is a ball. Anything in that is a strike but you never want to throw it right down the middle. So you always want to hit each of the corners. So when I say I was hitting my corners, that's what I'm talking about. So he'll give a he'll give a uh, a signal, say slider low outside. So you exactly what it says. You want to throw that slider and it needs to cross the plate low outside corner so they can't hit it. So I was hitting my corners in the bullpen. I'm warming it up. My curveball is breaking from 12 to 6. It's just it's happening. Right. The glove is popping. And that's one of those things that scouts use. It's when you pass the eye test as a pitcher, they're looking, they're hearing, they want to hear that glove pop. So when you throw it fast enough and it hits that pocket, it's just a snap. Pop. And you just it just sounds great. You were feeling good. I was feeling good. I'm really I'm painting this picture for you. Right. So the first batter comes up, strike him out. Three pitches. Boom, boom, boom. He's done. And that's the top of the order, so it's their best hitters. If you don't know this, too, and in baseball, your first hitter is usually your best hitter. Usually. First or second. First bitter, first bitter batter or hitter, however you want to say it. You can call them a bitter. I don't care. <laughs> uh, that person's main job is to get on base. So maybe they're not the best hitter. Second batter, their job is to advance that runner either home or to third. Third is called cleanup. Cleanup hitter is what brings everyone home. Your third your third hitter usually is one of your best, or if not the best hitter too. I keep saying something and then Each canceling one, it out. I think has the potential <laughs> to be the best. It's been a while since I played baseball. Okay, maybe the fourth hitter might be clean up. Clean up. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so, anyways, I strike him out. the The second batter comes out. Three strikes in a row. I strike him out. The third batter comes out. Three in a row. I strike him out. Everyone's looking at me like, "Who is this guy?" I'm looking at myself like, "Who am who, I?" Who, Wow, man, I feel like Roger Clemens. Uh, I feel like Randy Johnson. Uh, I was hoping you were going to say Randy Johnson. Yeah. Randy Johnson. Um, so, uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I just struck out the top of the order of Grand Junction's baseball team. I kept looking over at my dad because I was playing for him, right? And I wanted to, I wanted to please him. Usually, when I see my dad at practice, I, I would turn it up a notch. And so it's the same thing in these games. So, but when the second inning came, 
things took a turn for the worst, and it was like batting practice for this team. I don't know what happened. I was operating in, in like, I was operating in the spirit of Randy Johnson first, first <laughs> inning. Second inning, I was operating in the spirit of... We don't need to throw any MLB pitcher <laughs> under the bus, do we? No. <laughs> it was bad, though. So he just tees off on me, right? Uh, oh, the first no. guy tees off on me. The second guy tees off on me. Third guy tees off on me. It's just going bad. So bad that I was pulled in the third inning, right? And my relief pitcher couldn't even make up the lost ground. We ended up losing the game. But here's my point. I really kind of exaggerated that kind of drug that out probably longer than I needed to. But here's my point. When my dad talked about the game, he didn't focus on, yeah, they really lit him up. He didn't focus on the batters that I walked or when I struck out looking. He talked to people about how I was making the glove pop. He talked to people about how I struck out the top of the order. He talked about how I stole second or how I went two for three with an RBI. And I'll always remember that. It, it, it really blew me away. He wasn't trying to highlight and expose my mistakes. Did we address the mistakes? Yes. And did I need to make those corrections? Yes. And we talked about that. But my dad focused on my victories. He encouraged me. He made me better. And the result of that was not me thinking, I can just play however, and it doesn't matter because he loves me anyways. No, the result of that was me wanting to be better. It was me wanting to please him. You know, my thought wasn't, oh, no, my dad is here. I better not screw up. It was, nice, my dad is here. I'm going to play my best for him. Big, big distinction between those two things, right? So because I knew that he loved me and I knew that he had my back, and that's how it is with God. When we're pursuing holiness, God says, hey, it's not about perfection. It's about relationship. It's about pursuing me. And if you mess up, if you fall, you get back up, you dust yourself off, I'll forgive you and I will empower you to get it right the next time. That's what grace is. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is an empowerment for you not to make the same mistake over and over again. I think a wise businessman said this, yes, make mistakes, make thousands if you have to, just don't repeat the same mistakes. Mm. Uh, I wish I knew who said that. I want to say it's like Grant Cardone or someone, but... Um, I thought uh, it was an oldie like Henry Ford. It, you know what? Let's, let's attribute it to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Bible says that he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. So a desire to be holy is birthed out of a revelation of God's love for you, okay? Fear motivates people to do a lot of things, but that's not how God works. That's how the devil works. God isn't going to scare you into living holy. We don't live holy because we're scared of the consequences of unholiness, right? Love is the best motivator. We live holy because he loves us and we love him. So now I really, uh, this is like the, the, the landing pad of, of, of this uh, part two. I'm going to go through a few points um, on how we can live holy, some steps that are tangible that we can apply. I always love when uh, you're hearing a great message and you get, tangible, applicable, ooh, that's not a word, applicable steps, <laughs> applicable. <laughs> it's because I'm talking too much. Can you just interject a little more? Yeah, do you want me more? to talk for a yes. bit? I'm, I'm letting I'm going to take a drink of water. Okay, you take a drink. I'm just going to voice some stuff. I don't want to derail this podcast, so oh, I wanted good. you to lead it. But my thoughts really are going on this idea of pursuit. And I wrote this down, maybe a definition for myself, but I put holiness is the flame of desire that causes you to pursue deeper into the heart of God. Because mm. I thought of how you said holiness yeah. is how we see into God. Yes. So there should be this desire, you know, heat 
produces things like mm-hmm. flame. That that's how you hot air balloon. The heat yeah. energy produces pursues towards something. It's pursuing into the heart of God, and the pursuit is different than the attainment. Yeah. And you can have a desire for attainment without the desire for the pursuit. I'll give you a couple examples. I hike mountains for the attainment of the peak, not for the desire of the Mm. pursuit. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I read books to finish them (laughs) sometimes, not just because I'm so enraptured by the Mm. book. And I think people can get off on that by going, I'm going to attain holiness, but don't really love the process and the journey the yeah. pursuit and desire of holiness. I put it's not a desire to attain as much as an appreciation of the pursuit. That's good. Uh, and I think really, if you have a desire to just attain holiness, you're going to become self-righteous because you're going to go, I reach this spot. And you're actually probably mm. going to position yourself against God and as an enemy of God, because that's a spot of pride and God yeah. resists the proud, mm-hmm. but gives grace to the humble. So, I put this as well. One endures the pain of the present to achieve something. Mm-hmm. That's like attainment. Like I'm just yeah. enduring every day. One finds the relational purpose of the present journey. Oof. And I want to be that type. I want to have the pursuit mindset versus the attainment mindset. I want to have the progress mindset versus the perfection mindset. Because I think as long as you keep the flame alive, I'm even, I keep thinking of Pastor Shane mm-hmm. in his podcast that he did on love the keeping that flame alive of i want to keep this process going because you'll make mistakes on the way that are really not holy to your idea of being holy i'll give you a quick example and hopefully it's appropriate if your definition of being sexually pure is to not completely have sex Mm -hmm. and that's the only barrier you have and that's holy for you you will Mm -hmm. do very unholy things on the way to meeting that goal of I'm going to be a virgin. Wow. But if your idea is I want to hear the heart and see into the heart of God of what purity is, Mm -hmm. then you're going to not only get to your wedding day, young person as a virgin, you're going to get there without a lot of hurt baggage and things that you picked up along the way. If you love the pursuit, not just the attainment, man. Yeah. You might be technically a virgin, but an unholy virgin. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, very great insight. That might need to be brought back up as wisdom of the day. All right. I well, loved it. Did I give you enough time to catch your breath? Yeah. All right. So I've got some practical steps for you. I think I got like six steps. We'll try and go through them fast. Um, all found out of Colossians three. I really like this chapter, breaking it down. You're exegetically breaking down Colossians three. <laughs> Addison would be proud. Um, <laughs> uh, so These are practical steps on how to be holy. Number one, get high. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Not in Colorado, man. Yeah, Rocky Mountain High. No, no, no. Okay, get high. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor and at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So that brings some clarity right, on yeah, get yeah, high, yeah. right? Stop spending time thinking of no value, like who offended you and what this person said or what movie just came out. Think like Jesus. Focus on the eternal. Think about the cross. Think about the blood of Jesus. Think about your righteousness. Think about how you're a son or a daughter of God. Think about the word. Think about 
uh, souls coming into the kingdom of God. Think about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I just messed up all the fruits. Think about forgiveness. Think about things that are eternal. All right? That's point number one. Number one. Get high. Here's point number two. Stop wearing your giveaways. Oh, that's good. Stop wearing your giveaways. This is Colossians 3, 5 and 7. I skip over 6 <laughs> and 8 and 9. All right? <laughs> Here we go. S starting in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. These are the things, or these are the things are, these things, sorry, are part of the old nature. Those are the grave clothes. Those are the giveaways. Don't wear something that's smelling gross. Don't wear something that was meant for death. What is my notable giveaway that I probably wore way too long? Do you remember the shirt? The happy shirt? <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Happy. happy. <laughs> I wore a shirt that had a, oh, it was nasty. It was brown. It had a big circle yeah. with like a happy emoji guy. Yeah. It said Mr. Happy, and I wore it <laughs> beyond its time. Get rid of you those did. clothes. Get rid of them. Stop Who do I give my giveaways. old nature to? You don't give it to another fellow believer or even a non-Christian. <laughs> give it to the grave. You give it to the grave. Because ultimately their grave clothes is just for the sake of the point. I, I wanted to say it that way. Stop wearing your giveaways. Or you could say stop wearing your grave clothes. Right? Um, point number three. Put on your fancy clothes. Ooh. Put on <laughs> your fancy on. clothes. Right? Colossians 3, 10 and 12. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, right? We're going to pull a men's warehouse on this one. You're going to like the way you look. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Right? Oh. And who's our guarantee? The Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Spirit. Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, he is. But that's okay. He's the Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of Christ. He's one of the exact same kind. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> this is your new nature. It's your holy nature. These clothes came with your new position, so it's time to start wearing them. And I'm gonna, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it. All right? Point number four, let it go, bro. Okay? Let mm. it go, bro. Or sis. Just doesn't flow as smoothly. Colossians 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. As the... <laughs> We were talking about that verse earlier. All right. It's not worth it. I've heard this, that being in unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt the other person. Right? It yeah, only hurts you. Corey this Ten Boom. Is, come on, Corey Ten Boom. This is the only... This is the old man. It's earthly thinking. It's temporal thinking. And it's sin. Yeah. Come on. And it's separating you from God and it's separating from you from that person even more. Right. If you want to hear a podcast on forgiveness that we had, we have some back, back, back in the day. Yeah. Over a year ago. Wow. Um, point number five, become rich, get rich. 
Is this some kind of get rich scheme? <laughs> yes. <laughs> get rich. Colossians 3:16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you're listening, say it, say it with me. Richly. Richly. We'll say it again together. Richly. richly. There you go. Um, you should be a student of the word. Okay? You should crave it. You should desire it. Get it in you. Other words for for the word rich are the word pl- words plentiful or abundant, lavish or overflowing. The word of God should be overflowing with abundance from your heart. This is something I'm personally working on. I know where things are in the scripture, but I want to I I want to know exactly where they are. Yeah. I, you know, so after the the podcast with Addison, I was I was convicted about how little references I actually knew. And he just had a wellspring of scripture that was coming up out of the inside of him. It's and good. it was awesome. It wasn't just convicting. It was encouraging me to do better. Yeah, motivational. Yeah. So the word of God should be overflowing with abundance from your heart. Any situation in life that comes against you, you have a scripture for it because it's in you. Now, here's another cool point about this when, when we talk about get rich. Um, it's also a culinary term. Also, uh, in culinary terms, rich means that a certain flavor is more dominant than the others. So when I take a bite out of a good piece of chocolate cake, that chocolate better be rich. Because right? it has dominance. Over it better be rich, right? I shouldn't have to search long with my taste buds to figure it out, right? Mm. The flavor is present even into the aftertaste. Come on. That's the Bible good. says to taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen, people are going to be partaking of your life. What are they tasting? What are they tasting? In the in this uh, uh, in the in the word and the life of God, it, 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 is the word and the life of God a dominant flavor in your life, or do they have to search and ask questions? Is, hmm, is this actually chocolate? Hey man, are you actually a Christian? <laughs> Where do you go to church again? Wow, that's right? good, man. When you know the the Bible says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." A, a non-believer. The, the main way they taste and see that the Lord is good is tasting of my life when That's they good. encounter me. I like that. They got to search for chocolate, right? They got to search for Christ when they encounter me, or is it prevalent even in the midst of other flavors, right? Wow. Come on. Let the word of Christ dwell in you Rich. richly. Here's number six, last point, and we're wrapping up. Get yourself a tortilla, okay? Get yourself a tortilla. <laughs> All right, naked burritos are not on the menu. Like, that's hip at Chipotle to get a burrito bowl. That's predominantly what I order, man. Yeah, you got to stop doing that. Not in the natural. Okay. All right, so I know a lot of us like burrito bowls, right, at Chipotle or Qdoba, but imagine having to eat that with your hands without a fork. Well, in a lot of cultures, they're probably okay with that. Me, <laughs> You're as messing a, up my point. As me as a Western <laughs> uh, man, does not seem right. right. It would be a mess, right? Uh, it would fall apart. You'd use way too many napkins. But a tortilla holds it all together. I think I know where you're going here. I think you know where I'm going. Is this it. Pastor Shane like? Yeah, yeah. It's what makes a burrito a burrito. Without it, you just have ingredients, okay? This is what love is to all these other mm, virtues there it is, that I talked about. To everything in your life that you do for God, love brings them together and it holds them and it binds them. It makes them secure. Come on. There it is. It makes a burrito a burrito. A burrito. <laughs> it's that tortilla. Colossians 3.14. Right? 
But above all these things, put on, on love, love which, which is, is the, the bond, bond of, of perfection. perfection. I was trying to say it with you. Oh, I'm sorry. You want to do it again? <laughs> yeah, let's try it again. But, but above, above all these things, put on love, which, which is, is the bond of perfection. perfection. Good job. So the NIV says it this way. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. It's totally tortilla. Totally tortilla-like, man. <laughs> totally right? tortilla. Holiness not motivated by love, it's nothing more than a show. Come on. You want mm. me to, I will, I'll say all, That's all really six good. of those one more time. I really go, good. Number one, get high. It's about thinking on things that are above. Number two, stop wearing your giveaways. The old man is dead. Stop wearing the grave clothes. Number three, put on your fancy clothes, your new nature in Christ. Number four, let it go. Don't be an offense. Forgive others. Number five, become rich letting the word of God dwell in you richly and understanding that because it's in you, it needs to be the pre predominant flavor that people taste in your life when they encounter you. And number six, get yourself a tortilla. Very tortilla-like is love. Yes. It's what makes everything work. It's what holds everything together. Yeah, that's great. Amen. Awesome, man. Pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. Wisdom of the day? Well, uh, my last point is my wisdom of the day. I really no no sorry my second to last point is my wisdom of the day about the richness of flavor in culinary terms and if people are tasting of our life, um, I found that out by accident and I just really liked it. So yeah, I second that your food references your food analogies are the wisdom of the day that richly doesn't just mean in abundance like when I think of rich in financial terms I think of a lot of wealth yeah. But you can have a lot of something, and if it's not coming to the surface and taking dominance over it, then you're not fully being rich in it. And I want Christ to be rich in me. I want his life to be rich in me. I want his nature, his holiness yeah. to be rich in me. And to combine it with get yourself a tortilla, that love is what holds it all together. And in what correlation to what Pastor Shane said in his podcast, that just as Love is the first aspect of the fruit of the spirit. It's the yeah. first thing that you come in contact with. Mm -hmm. So if I bite into that tortilla, I need all those ingredients. But the first thing people should taste is the tortilla, which is the love of God Amen. in my life so they can come know on. that I'm his. Good Praise day. God. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, I let you pray yourself out of that podcast. Can I pray us out of this podcast? Yes, you may. And then maybe you can wrap up the podcast I by will. saying goodbye. I'll wrap it up with the tortilla of love. <laughs> awesome. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Pastor Jonathan and the wisdom that he shared. Father God, I pray for a passionate pursuit of the journey of holiness and not just a prideful attainment of self-righteousness. God, I thank you that we're putting off what is old, embracing what is new, thinking on things high, forgiving people as you have forgiven us. Father God, living in love and just walking in a way that people taste and see that you're good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We trust that you got something out of that. Thank you for being a faithful listener. And I encourage you to tune in next week because I headed up these last two podcasts, but my uh, partner across the table has some great things to share next week. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, man. All right, so we'll catch you guys next week on the Selling and Growing Podcast with J&J. &J.